Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday service message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Kristen Joan Wood. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you in your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the Lord. just going to take a few minutes and just kind of set something before you out of the scripture. The worship team can sit behind me if they want, stand behind me if they want. They can do whatever they want, I guess. But in Acts chapter 2, let me remind you of how the church was birthed. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Folks, there has been an assault on the body of Christ to try to destroy the unity of the bride of Jesus Christ. And it has come by way of political argument. It's come by way of of health issues, pandemic. The adversary is beginning to pull out all of the stops to get us to argue about things that in the scope of eternity are only for a moment. And if he can bring division within the body of Christ... Because we argue over whether you should have a mask on or you shouldn't have a mask on. Uh, I know, I know, get ready. Chris is going to step on some toes right now. Whether I should be vaccinated or I shouldn't be vaccinated. Whether I voted for this one or I voted for that one. If we let those issues of life bring division within the body of Christ, we will never see what God really wants to do. I know you have an opinion. I know you have an opinion, and I know you love expressing your opinion. But in the scope of things, your opinion, my opinion, really doesn't matter. What matters is, what is God saying? What is God doing? Am I being one who brings unity and accord, or am I being one who is being used even if it's unintentionally, to bring division. I had no intention to say that today, but there I go. I said it. And so it says this group of believers who had all kinds of pressure on them. I mean, think about it. The one that they were following, the king of glory that they had following, his message had created such a, a, a turmoil within the culture of his day that they, very, they, they crucified him over it. Of course, we know that he conquered sin and death, and it was the plan of God that that all happened, that Jesus rose on the third day. He's been teaching his disciples for 40 days about the kingdom of God and how it works. He's now ascended to the right hand of the Father, and the disciples, following obediently the word of the Lord, they've done what he's asked them to do, having no idea what's going to take place. They are in an upper room for 10 days praying together And letting unity become the foundation upon which everything else is going to happen. And it says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
Then there appeared to them what seemed to be divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one. Everybody said, sat upon each one. Last two weeks ago, Joan stood up here and she again exhorted us that the shift that's happening in the body of Christ is it's not about personalities. It's about the body. It's about the church. And in this context, you notice that the Holy Spirit didn't just come upon the apostles. Hello. Or upon Peter or John only. The Holy Spirit came upon, everybody say it with me, all of them. Come on, hit somebody and say, wake up. And it says, they began, verse 4, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that meeting, come on, I want you to follow the story. That meeting in the upper room spilled out into the streets of Jerusalem. With such intensity that the people who saw it, who were not a part of it, had questions. What is this all about? What's going on? What's happening? Are you guys drunk? You're acting rather silly. Verse 14, and I'm just going to read it to you. And Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, all of these people who are mocking, all of these people who are laughing, all of these people who don't understand, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. That word, he pay careful attention to what I'm about to tell you. That's what Peter's saying. When, he, when that word heed is in your text, it might be translated in some of your Bibles as hearken or listen. In the English language, the word that we use is not strong enough. What, what Peter says is he stands up and he looks at this crowd that's mocking and laughing. And, and, and he says, listen, pay attention to my words right now. It's like when you have to get the attention of your child who's not listening to you. Look at me. Listen to, uh, no, none of you parents ever did that, did you? I had to do that once or twice with my kids. Hey, look at me right now, right here. David, I had to say that to Anna more than once, but, but she always listened. Now she's going to be mad at me for lunch. But, the, but that's the nature of what's happening right now. He's not like, hey, Hey, guys, listen, I got something to say. When boldness comes on you, it's like, listen to what I have to say. Because what I'm about to issue is life and death. And how you respond is either going to bring life or death into your life. He doesn't say it all there, but that's the intention. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. We've not been drinking. And guess what 9 o'clock in the morning was for the Jewish people? It was the first call to prayer. There were three primary times where Jewish people were called to pray. 9 o'clock in the morning, noontime, and 3 o'clock. These were the memorial moments. They were called to pray all the time, but these were memorial moments where when it, when it says David prayed three times, he prayed at nine in the morning, noontime, and at three o'clock in the afternoon. 
And so it's the call of prayer. And so people are either going to the temple when this all breaks out. The disciples are saying, well, what should we do? Well, it's 9 o'clock. Let's pray. They start praying. Holy Spirit comes. Are you tracking with me? It's all so natural. It's all so fine. He says, we've not been drinking, as you suppose. It's only the third hour. But what you're seeing, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he begins to confirm what they are witnessing, what they are seeing, by confirming it through prophetic announcement. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my flesh on my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men, that's me, shall dream dreams. I had a horrible dream last night, so I hope that changes. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And so he says, in the last days, in those moments of, of, of the last days that actually begin when Jesus came, that's when the last days, if someone asks you, are we in the last days, you know what your answer is? Yes, the last days started when Jesus arrived and was incarnated as the very Son of God. That's when the last days began. Well, when will the last days end? I don't know, but we're in them. But that's typically when we talk about Pentecost where we stop. The bright side of the prophecy. But then he goes on, Peter does, and of course if you read Joel's prophecy, it's much longer. And he says, in those days I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Verse 21, I want you to underline it in your Bibles because this is where he's headed with his message and this is where I want to leave you today as we close this service. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, let me read you how Paul says the same thing In the book of Romans. For the scripture says. This is Romans 10. 11 through 13. For the scripture says. Whoever believes on him. Will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction. Between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all. Is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls. On the name of the Lord. Shall be saved. No one who puts their hope in the Lord will ever be put to shame. The one who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is what Peter says on the day of Pentecost to the crowd that gathered. And so I want you to think about three things in this Pentecost moment. Number one, Pentecost came and it was unprecedented. It had never happened like this before. And I think God wants to do it again. I think God wants to do an unprecedented move of his spirit amongst his people. And we're all looking for what it used to be like. Well, it used, 
maybe like a finny thing or maybe this. Listen, all of those great moves of the Spirit were awesome, and I thank God for them all, but I think there is coming a move of the presence and the Spirit of God that is unprecedented. And I think I can prove it in Scripture. I don't have time today, but I think I can prove it in Scripture. That it's unprecedented. The harvest that we're going to see is unprecedented. And so we as a people need to be positioned as these were positioned to receive everything that God has for us. Number two, it was unexpected. They knew they were waiting in the upper room. They knew they were doing what Jesus asked them to do. They knew that Jesus said a promise was coming. But if you think for one moment that they understood what was about to happen and they had a script for it, they did not. And so what we need to do in the church is we need to wait with expectancy for the unexpected. Does that make sense? You wait with, why? Because I trust him. Well, that, that seems, Chris, kind of a, a scary proposition you're throwing out there, that you wait with expectation on God for the unexpected thing that he's about to do. Well, why would you do that? Well, because I trust him. And the third thing that I want you to understand, and I think it's right in the text, is when the day of Pentecost happened, it was underappreciated. Not particularly by the apostles and the 120 in the upper room, but the people on the street mocked it. They laughed at it. They thought it was strange. And here's the thing, if you and I really start moving out with boldness, don't think for a moment that there won't be somebody who makes fun of you. Don't think for a moment that there won't be somebody who challenges you. We're, we're living, in a, and, and I close with this thought, we're living in a society, a, a Western culture, and I'm going to say something really strong to you right now. That is making a calculated pursuit after demonic things. It's calculated. Maybe not you, maybe not your friend, maybe not your friend. But as a culture, there is this pursuit of things that are that's ungodly, not right. I wrote these things this morning. The the bottom line is all of these things deny the absolute truth of God's word. They confront it. And so as a believer today, how should I live? Well, I have, to, I have to think this through and I have to think through the implications of living in a culture that is making decisions that is opposed to the truth of God's word, saying things that, that I know are wrong and calling them right. And I am to be a prophetic voice in the midst of that. I'm to move in love. I'm to move in humility. I am to move in such a way that I call attention to the darkness and I call attention to the evil. But I do it in such a way that I call people to the light and I call people to the truth and I call people. But we're living in a culture right now that wants to deny the word of God. And I have to make a decision. I have to make a firm decision as, as an individual, as a husband, as a grandfather, as a father. What kind of, how am I going to stand in this hour? 
How am I going to stand in this hour? Now, this is what you need to know. Satan will not win. He does not prevail. Read your Bible. God wins. All the time. Come on, turn to your neighbor right now and say, he's never lost. He's just never lost. I was going through a struggle this week. I was trying to work it out, and the devil was trying to beat me up with some things that I had said or done. And I was in a struggle with that fight. And then I just remembered this thought. God's never lost. And so in my prayer closet, I just said to the devil, why don't you just shut up? Because my God has never lost. And I'm his son, and I'm going to do it his way. So here's what I can assure you as we move forward. We are living in perilous times. And you may find yourself in perilous situations. Men's acceptance of you may not be very warm as you become one who declares the good news of Jesus. As you talk to your friends, as you share with them the good news because you want them to be saved. They may not like you. They may reject you. They may even ridicule you. But the question that I'm asking myself in light of all of that, because that's what Scripture teaches, that's what it's going to be as we move forward in the last days. How am I preparing myself? How am I making myself ready? Peter says in his epistle, he says, be diligent to make your walk with God sure and your way with God holy and blameless. Just be diligent about what you do. Joan and I took an unexpected trip on Tuesday to um, Connecticut because a young man, one of the first in our youth ministry when we started youth ministry, had suddenly passed away and his family was devastated. He was 55 years old, if that gives you context. This is when we started ministry. This is one of the first people that we, we got to speak to. We saw him grow and he and his wife were, were in youth ministry for many, many years and and uh, we were thankful for that. And I was sitting and I was talking to his wife. And we were just reminiscing about things. And talking about the good times that we had had. And the crazy youth trips that Joan and I had taken these kids on. And just in wonderment, amazed that parents actually trusted their children to us. And I looked at her. Her name is Cecily. And I said, Cecily, you know what? Those days were, were crazy days because I had no idea what I was doing. And suddenly she got really serious and she said, don't ever say that again. And I went, no, no, Cecily, come on. I really didn't know what I was doing. She said, I will not let you say that ever again. 
She says, because it was you who opened the word of God to me and instilled such a love for God's word in those little Bible studies that you and Joan would run that I have loved his word ever since. Don't ever tell me that you didn't know what you were doing. And I said, I'm going to say it one more time. I didn't know what I was doing, but God did. And she said, I'll accept that. And I tell you that story because I want every one of you to understand that you may, with some of the challenge that I've given today, feel, ah, I don't know if I can do what Chris is saying. I don't know if I could be that bold. I don't know. And listen, all I want to say to you is don't ever underestimate how God will use you if you just stay yielded to the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen and amen. We hope this message has encouraged and challenged you in your walk with God today. Again, this podcast is a resource of Zion Fellowship, spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York. If you'd like to learn more about us, find us at our website at zionfellowship.net or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, feel free to give us a call at 585-394-7450. Blessings to you as you continue in your day.